It's not what goes into the mouth that defiles you. It's what comes out of the heart. Here's Pastor Xavier Reese. Whatever perspective you have towards God, the way you've shaped your God will be the way you live. If your God is shaped after the manner of Scripture, then your life is going to be lined up with Scripture. But if your mind and your heart has distorted the biblical revelation of the God we serve, then you will live according to your corrupt view. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. The term religion is thought to date back to just the 13th century. Besides a set of beliefs, religious practices nearly always include ancestral or cultural traditions, writings, and mythology. And since Scripture, the inspired Word of God, isn't necessarily a foregone element to religion, as it's defined in this way, any and every whim, no matter how distorted or absurd, can end up as religious doctrine. And this is exactly what was at issue that the prophet Jeremiah was commanded to confront the nation of Judah with. Let's listen now as Pastor Xavier observes this alarming simple truth that continues to have application through to today. Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 1 through 15. And the message is entitled, Trusting in a False Refuge. The people were trusting, in fact, in the refurbishment of the temple... And therefore, they claim their protection and their right to stand before Yahweh based on the restoration of the temple instead of their obedience. That's always a mistake. People associate ritual instead of obedience. That is always a dangerous thing, and it has gone on from the beginning of times, and it will continue to do so. Jeremiah is sent to confront the people at the gate of the temple probably at one of the national feasts. This is the third sermon of Jeremiah that goes from chapter 7 to chapter 10. The temple sermon proper of Jeremiah is found in the first 15 verses of chapter 7 here. And then you have sub-sermons or addendums that follow. Now, the people in Jeremiah's day believed that the temple of God promised them refuge regardless of their lifestyle and its characterized by three things. Let me read these 15 verses. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Stand in the gate of the Lord's house and proclaim there this word and say, Hear the word of the Lord, all you of Judah who enter into these gates to worship the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Amend your ways and your doings, and I will cause you to dwell in this place. Do not trust in these lying words saying, The temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord are these. For if you thoroughly amend your ways and your doings, if you thoroughly execute judgment between man and his neighbor, if you do not oppress the stranger and the fatherless, the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place, or walk after other gods to your hurt, then I will cause you to dwell in this place, in the land that I gave to your fathers forever and ever. Behold, you trust in lying words that cannot profit. Will you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, burn incense to Baal, walk after other gods whom you do not know, and then come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, We are delivered to do all these abominations? Has this house, 
which is called by my name, become a den of thieves in your eyes? Behold, I am. I even I have seen it, says the Lord. But go now to the, my place, which was in Shiloh, where I set my name at the first, and see what I did to it because of the wickedness of my people Israel. And now because you have done all these works, says the Lord, and I spoke to you, rising up early and speaking, but you did not hear, and I called you, but you did not answer. Therefore, I will do to the house which is called by my name, in which you trust, and to this place which I gave to your fathers, as I have done to Shiloh. And I will cast you out of my sight, as I have cast out all your brethren, the whole posterity of Ephraim. The belief of the people that the temple of God promised them refuge, regardless of their lifestyle, is characterized by the following. First in verse 1 through 7, you have the misplaced faith of the people. Secondly, verse 8 through 11, you have the major deception of the people. And you find that in verse 8 through 11. And then finally, the monument of judgment for the people is given in verse 12 through 15. Notice he begins here with the misplaced faith of the people because this is the heart of the problem. The prophet Jeremiah was commanded to address the people in the temple. This is where it's happening. The very house of God. And this is a common repetition through here. Now, the common phrase that qualifies the proclamation being from Yahweh and not from Jeremiah precedes the command. This is important. And we see this continually through the book of Jeremiah, Isaiah, and many of the prophets. The words that came to Jeremiah from the Lord or Yahweh. The phrase guarantees that the message is from God. A divine revelation expressing the mind and the will of God to be proclaimed. It is God's word. We cannot alter it. We cannot dilute it. And God help us if we do. Now notice the evidence that it was divine revelation lay in the fulfillment of the proclamation. That's always a judgment. Later on, Jeremiah will deal with this when we get to chapter 23. But in verse 16 and 17, he says this. Thus says the Lord of hosts, do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you. They make you worthless. They speak a vision of their own heart. Not from the mouth of the Lord. They continually say to those who despise me, The Lord has said, You shall have peace. And to everyone who walks according to the dictates of his own heart, they say, No evil shall come upon you. People always want to be made to feel comfortable in their sin. Everybody wants to be said to be a good person while they live an immoral and unethical life. We have come to the place where our nation is non-judgmental. Remember Isaiah? They call evil good and good evil. Jeremiah was to stand at the gate of the temple and was to declare the specific word. Notice Jeremiah was to command all the people of Judah, not just some, but all, who entered the gate to worship the Lord, hear the words of Yahweh revealing the divine authority again, so that they would not think it was him. Now, they're going to get mad at him anyway, but it has to be stated. In the word their worship, it means to bow down, to prostrate oneself. They're coming in. This is the national feast, probably for the Feast of Tabernacles. There was three, Passover, Pentecost, Feast of Tabernacles. Many think it's Feast of Tabernacles, whichever it is. They're coming in. They're doing their pilgrimage. They're coming in. Oh, yes, we love the Lord. And they prostrate themselves. But they were outwardly bowing to Yahweh. But inwardly, they were standing for their own style of false worship. Some things never change, do they? 
This, without doubt, as I said, was in one of those three feasts. So all the Jews from 20 years all and up had to come. The prophet Jeremiah was to communicate to the people that Yahweh was calling them to turn from their sin. It seems like there's, there's no new message for these guys, is there? Jeremiah presented the speaker again as Yahweh. But he presents him as this, the Lord of hosts and the God of Israel. The Lord of hosts identifies him as, you know, the captain of the armies of heaven. The one who is constantly at war, listen, with sin. Constantly at war with sin, and he's never lost a battle against sin or any person involved in sin. But also the God of Israel identified Yahweh as the rightful master and husband of the nation. He had given birth to her. He had made a covenant with her. Notice still in verse 3 that the God who was constantly at war with sin told the people to amend their ways. And they're doing. In other words, they were to repent. They were to repent from their ways that they were living and the sins that they were committing. Your ways implies your attitude, your perspective of life. Your doings means the sins you're committing. Because, see, your sins come from what you believe. Your manner of life comes from what you believe. Jesus said it's not what goes in your mouth that defiles you, but it's what comes out of the heart. Whatever perspective you have towards God, the way you've shaped your God will be the way you live. If your God is shaped after the manner of Scripture, then your life is going to be lined up with Scripture. But if your mind and your heart has distorted the biblical revelation of the God we serve, then you will live according to your corrupt view. And you'll think you're pleasing God. Back in chapter 531, Jeremiah said, The prophets prophesy falsely, and the priests rule by their own power. And my people love to have it so, but what will you do in the end? In other words, hey, he's God. So in other words, whether you believe something to be true or not, doesn't make it not true in the Bible. If you believe that God doesn't exist and this is just a little fan club to make us feel good and all that, it doesn't change the fact that God exists. If you can't believe that the Bible says that God will separate people and they will be in eternal torment forever and ever and ever, then you can't believe in a God that would do that. That doesn't change the fact. God's not, he's not going to lose any sleep over it. It's going to happen. Notice the promise was that Yahweh would cause them to dwell. Here's the phrase, in this place, the temple. You see, the personal rebuke to the people was that they were not trusting in God. But what were they trusting? Lying words. Here's the words. The temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord are these. Three times. Three times he says, this place, this place, this place. This is a true word. Not the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. Oh, yeah, I go to Calvary Chapel. Oh, yeah, I do this. Oh, yeah, I go there. Oh, yeah, I know him. So what? What does that mean? <laughs> the false prophets were without doubt using this phrase constantly. So the people picked it up. They were using it as a magical formula, repeating it three times. We have much of that today. People think that by what they speak, they're going to get wealthy. Or if they speak positively and they, and they have a cold and they say, I don't have a cold, I don't have a cold. And they need to claim it and they're going to get it and they're not going to be sick. They're going to be healed. Listen, you can say you have a cold all your life, but your snots are rutting down. You got a cold. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the misplaced faith of the ark. You remember in 1 Samuel 4.3 when um, Eli 
sons, Hophni and Phinehas, the Philistines attacked them, and they were afraid, so they went and got the ark, and they took it into battle. And they said, oh, we got the ark of the Lord, yes, and they will be victorious. And God says, it's just a stinking ark. It's wood and gold. I'm the one that makes things work. So I'll tell you what, I'm going to let you get wiped out. Misplaced faith. Hey, when I was a Catholic, I mean, I was in trouble. Man, I went to church. I crossed myself more times than anything else. I lit candles, everything else. When I got hit on my first motorcycle accident in 69, I got hit head on. I was in a coma for about 12 days. I went to the Catholic Church. I knew it was God. And I lit my candles, signed the cross, but it didn't change my life. I went on and still lived like the devil. I drove by a Catholic church. I had drinking a beer while I'm driving. I put it down, crossed myself, passed the church. <laughs> chug a lug. Misplaced faith. Later on, as you move into the book of Jeremiah, in chapter 20, 31, 29, and, and 23, 33, there's two phrases that people were saying constantly. And God says, don't say that anymore, Jeremiah, or I'm not going to speak to you. One of them was this. It says, the burden of the Lord. And the New King James is the oracles of the Lord. Oh, the burden of the Lord. Lord, what are you talking about, Jeremiah? They say, don't say that anymore, Jeremiah, or I won't talk to you. The other one was, oh, our fathers have eaten sour grapes and our teeth are on edge. You want modern vernacular? It's not my fault. It's my parents that did it. Nothing new under the sun, is it? He says, you say that anymore, Jeremiah. I ain't talking to you. Notice 30, verse 5 through 7. The prophet Jeremiah points the people to the biblical faith, which is repentance. From misplaced faith, he points them to the right way. If they thoroughly execute a judgment between man and his neighbor, there's the condition. Verse 6, if they did not oppress a stranger, fatherless widow, not shed innocent blood, they walked after other gods to their own hurt doing this. These are the conditions. God was calling for true piety instead of paganism breaking the sixth through the ninth commandment in Exodus 5 and Deuteronomy. I mean, Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5. The promise was, notice in verse 7, they would dwell in the temple and the land of their fathers forever and ever. God is still offering. Though the nation has crossed that line, He offers but they're there. But they have fear. Now, you remember reading often in the Old Testament when some people would, would, would say, I, I got to get to the temple to get a hold of the altar, the horns on the altar. And if I can get to the horns on the altar and grab a hold of them, I'll be safe. Joab ran to the horns, grabbed them. And Solomon said, um, kill them. And they went there, and Ben and I came back and said, well, he says, you know, you have to kill him there. And Solomon says, well, have at it. False hope. Misplaced faith. Abnon did the same thing. He's the one that raped his sister, Tamar. And Absalom never forgot it. How we need pastors to warn the religious person. And the believer who is trusting in his or her relationship to God by their identity with a church or a Bible teacher they sit under, even though they're living in sin. Some are trusting in their church membership. You know, I was a member there for 25 years, and I, they're going to get into heaven. Some people trust in their baptism. They've been baptized. Listen, if you're living in sin, you're just a wet sinner. 
Or the fact that maybe you answered a Billy Graham crusade altar call? So what? Listen to Paul, to the Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 5.14. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all. Always. Always confronting the people. Very important. Sin separates us from God. Psalm 66.18 says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, God will not hear me. Uh, we just finished studying Isaiah a while back. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2. God's hand's not short that he cannot save. Neither is his ear heavy that he cannot hear. But your sins have separated you from God. And he turns his face from us. I mean, pretty clear. You remember what Paul told the Corinthians? The Corinthians were Christians. Listen to what he says to them. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Who's he telling this to? To Christians. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Now listen. And such were some of you. But now you're washed. Now you are sanctified. But you have been justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of God. So they're born again. But he says, don't be deceived. You can't continue this. Why? Because some of these guys were going to the temple prostitutes. And they were having their cake and eating it too at the same time. And they say, oh yeah, we're Christians. Often I speak to people and, I, and they say, oh yeah, I know. The, oh, oh great, how long have you been walking? Through? Oh, about five years. Oh, are you married? Oh no, no, me and my girl, we live together. And they, they don't know qualms about it. Well, they got a distorted view of what the Bible says. Now, if they're recently born again, I understand this, so I instruct them. But if you've been in the Lord three, four, five years, and you're living in sin, or you're taking drugs, stuff like that, you're deceiving yourself. You're going to hell. The pastors of the church are watchmen over the city. That's why I warn you, lovingly. Because I don't want the blood of any of you in my hands. You say, but Xavier, that's Old Testament, Ezekiel 3 and Ezekiel 33. Really? You ever read Acts 20? Paul says, I'm innocent of the blood of any man. Who do you think he was quoting? <laughs> so much for Old Testament theology and trying to make it distinct from New Testament. The Bible is Genesis to Revelation, guys. Don't think that anything in the Old doesn't apply to you or me. And we do so so that people can receive the peace of God as they make peace with God as they confess their sins. Romans 5, 1 and 2. And then as we're Christians, we exhort one another so that we can get right with God and have the peace of God at our access whenever we need it in Philippians 4, 6-7. And he's faithful. So this was the misplaced faith of the people. They were trusting in the temple. They restored it. They come and worship. They prostrate themselves. And Jeremiah says, God throws up. Notice secondly, verse 8-11. through We have the major... Self-deception of the people. And first in verse 8, the people were trusting in their false words. Of course, the false prophets. They were listening to lying words of these prophets. In uh, Jeremiah 5.12 and 6.14, we've read, uh, they said, It is not he, in other words, God's not speaking through Jeremiah. Neither will evil come upon us, nor shall we see the sword or famine. Peace, peace, when there is no peace, they're saying. He just finished telling us they, they acted their own hurt. 
How many people add to their own hurt because they believe lies? They love to believe lies. They want to just like nothing's happened. They believe a lie. I'm okay. This will work out. And you know, it's for the best. And you know, we divide, we divorce amnably. Now we're better than ever before. Shut up. How can you be better than before? And so everybody's, oh yeah, we're best friends now. You believe in the lie or what? Because everybody says it and that makes it right? Of course not. They were believing these words would profit them. But they would not. Verse 8. Trusting in foreign allies. As he said before in chapter 2 verse 37. It would not profit them. Trusting in the false words of the prophet would not benefit them either. As he said in chapter 5 verse 31. Trusting in the temple would not benefit them even as he says here in verse 4. It's all misplaced. They're lies. Now look at verse 9, secondly. The people were breaking both tables of the Ten Commandments. The first, as you know, was vertical, their obedience to God, and the second was with man. Both of them. Now the list is proclaimed by Yahweh in a form of rhetorical question which has an obvious answer, and the answer is no. Will you steal? Will you murder? Will you commit adultery? Will you swear falsely? Will you burn incense to Baal? Will you walk after other gods whom you do not know? No! Can you be tied to me and do that? How many of you being married would go for your wife saying, You know what? I just think I'm going to go date my last ten boyfriends. You wouldn't mind, would you? And I want to be gone for the week. It would be an insult to you. It would crush you. Well... Should we think any less towards God? Notice 30 here as he moves to verse 10. The people were making Yahweh one with their sin. He continues in his rhetorical question. Immediately after the running, running of the list, the Lord says, and then. After he says, will you do this, 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 He says, and then come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name. This house that you think you have refuge, and it's called by my name. And you can come and stand before me after you do all those things. So they were confusing a personal relationship with Yahweh with their physical relationship to the temple. Listen, people still do this today. Oh yeah, I go, I go to this church. Oh, I go to that church. You know, and sometimes it's thinking that because I go there, I'm okay. Well, that doesn't mean anything. Notice Yahweh quotes their words. He gives them back to them. We were delivered to do all these abominations. And he answered in a question because is this true? Can this happen? Of course not. This is what they're saying. They make no qualms about it. They have no conviction. They're not embarrassed. They were syncretizing the abominable practice of the pagans with the worship of Yahweh. Syncretism is this. Remember they came out of Exodus and Aaron made a golden calf? And he says, these be your gods. This is Yahweh who delivered you. That's syncretism bringing other things under the auspices of Yahweh in the Bible and saying this is the way you worship God and it's wrong. This is what they were doing. And so they were divorcing their relationship from Yahweh in their practice. And whenever you feel that you know God and you walk with God but you're not living in obedience then you're deceiving yourself. I'm deceiving myself. Pastor Xavier Reese, 
using the ministry of the prophet Jeremiah to the people of Judah to reveal similar deceptive teachings we see today. Now, if you've missed any part of today's message, you can hear it from beginning to end again anytime online. Just look for today's date when you click on the radio listings link when you log on to CalvaryChapelPasadena.com. But there's much more to this study to come right here next time. So if your schedule won't permit you to tune in, as always, you can pick up a copy of this message on CD for just $4. The title you want to ask for is simply, Trusting in a False Refuge. Once again, that's Trusting in a False Refuge. Or you can simply mention today's date when you write, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make a request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. Some trust in horses, some in chariots, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Next time, Pastor Xavier Reese issues the challenge to examine where you put your trust. Join us then for the simple truth. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com